This is Cultivating Convos with the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And it's fun to have everyone else kind of get a little insight into what we do. Farmland forever. Actually, that was the next question I was going to ask you. Shelby, <laughs> let's wrap <laughs> this thing up. <laughs> This is another edition of Cultivating Convos with the Ohio Department of Agriculture. I'm Shelby Croft. Along with me is Megan Harshberger. Hello, listeners. Thanks for coming back and joining us for another episode. Um, today, Shelby, I, I feel like I say this every week. Like we always talk about stuff that we love, and this in particular is mostly what my body mass is made up of, and that's cheese. <laughs> but sh- you see, you're just letting out our secret here that we we bring all of these subjects on that we really like. <laughs> they're they're going to catch well, on to us, Megs. <laughs> well, you know, it's great. We could talk about it for hours, but we have to condense that to, of course, like, what, 15 minutes? How do you keep well, cheese to 15 minutes? And we have to give a little backstory on this one. Uh, so in our comms and markets office, there are six of us, and we all love cheese to a ridiculous amount that when Megan goes out and shoots any stories that uh, involve cheese, she sends us videos. <laughs> and the, the caption usually is just more cheese, please. <laughs> Truth be told, Megan had a fight one time and stopped talking to her brother over cheese. That's my favorite. We need to bring up like the <laughs> fight of 2015. <sighs> Guys. Okay. I was living in Omaha at the time, Omaha, Nebraska, working in TV. And I come home and my mom always stocks up on this specialty cheese from this Italian specialty market. It's Fontanelle is what we call it. And so my mom gets a pound, a huge block of this cheese, okay? And so me and my brother Ben come home for a family wedding. And my brother ate all of the cheese. I got no cheese. I didn't talk to him. I didn't say goodbye. (laughs) Justified argument. Yes. That's a that's like, a good Italian like, grudge right there. I like it. How could you? Oh, I held on to that till Christmas, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, our guest today can completely relate to this, I'm sure, Megs. Absolutely. We have John Reese, the owner of Black Radish Creamery, uh, on with us today. And we also have the chief of our dairy division, Brian Wise, with us. We're going to talk about cheese. And we're going to talk about uh, the upcoming dairy conference. Appreciate being here. Yeah, thanks, Shelby. So, uh, yeah, every year we do a, a, a dairy quality conference. Uh, most years, obviously, we do it in person. Unfortunately, the last two years, they've been virtual uh, due to everything that's going on right now. So we've adapted. We've made it work. Uh, last year, we actually did uh, did a four-state virtual quality conference because uh, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, and Michigan, we all had canceled our meeting, and uh, we all came together and said, hey, why don't we try something? And we ended up doing a four-state dairy quality conference that was attended by I think it was over 350 people um, through um, uh, Zoom that Ohio State had set up for. So anyhow, uh, it's just really it's a conference to get together to network uh, with folks sometimes you don't see all year. Uh, you know, that's always a good opportunity during the breaks and the lunch to talk to those folks. And then uh, it's, it's industry people, it's uh, regulators, it's uh, folks from out of state. Uh, get some FDA representation there, USDA as well from the Federal Market Administrator's Office. We just try to cover the topics of the day, anything that uh, we deem that's important. We think anyways that's important to the industry uh, from you know kind of our perspective, where it's from the regulation side, helping out the industry to then help out the, uh, the dairy farmer. Uh, we don't get into a lot on the processing that we 
We try to stay more on the dairy farm side, but the last few years we have gotten more into the dairy processing side, uh, you know, stuff like what John does. So in a nutshell, that's kind of what we do. Awesome. I think, you know, we're planning on, ODA's planning on sharing a video of John Reese and his creamery, Black Radish Creamery. Um, I shot a virtual tour with him. So John A, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Anytime. And B, if you just want to just sort of tell our listeners who may not know what Black Radish Creamery is, if you just want to talk about your business and what you've got going on. Yeah, so um, just talking about our production side, uh, we started making cheese in 2017. Uh, we buy all of our milk from one family farm, and uh, we've kind of got a pretty special relationship from them. They sell to nobody else. We buy from nobody else. Um, it's kind of like if you're familiar with the terminolo terminology of farmstead, it's kind of like modern farmstead or, um, for lack of a better term, detached farmstead since it's just us and them. But uh, we focus on making the highest quality cheese. And obviously, in order to do that, our farmer focuses, focuses on making the highest quality uh, dairy. Um, so super small batches. Um, we only have about we could probably fit 2000 uh, pounds of milk in our vat at any given time. Um, so we'll make, you know, give or take, we can make 200 pounds of milk and or 200 pounds of cheese twice a week. Um, so anybody that's on the processing side, uh, especially anybody that's like in big um, Ohio Swiss knows that that is barely a drop in the bucket. So really small productions. We only have a team of a handful of people out here at the creamery um keeping things running but uh we've been slowly adding to the team the business is growing people are really getting into uh the artisan cheeses more and more you know there's a time and place for everything i'll eat a craft single on a burger every once in a while but uh also i like to enjoy uh some nicer cheeses too but uh you know in a nutshell artisan cheeses um if you're not making the most you got to make the best um so we're definitely trying to uh still trying to do that Love it. So my husband always insists on buying just the normal block mozzarella. Like he just, and, I, and I'm like, I'm over in like the craft bin, you know, I, I'm always yeah. buy a few cheeses every week. So I can appreciate a good craft cheese, John. And I make fun of my husband. I call it pedestrian cheese. Not that you it's can, not good, but. You can, you can tell him not everybody's perfect. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. Just don't eat the whole block and you won't have a problem. That's right. So what, what is your favorite cheese that you make there? Uh, it's uh, it's all situational. So all the cheeses I fell in love with them as I was starting to create create them. Um, the most recent one that I've been falling in love with is it's a cheddar that I've had in my mind for a, like it's it's been coming to fruition in my mind ever since we started making cheese. So um, before we started making cheese, I, I had an opportunity where I was trying some British cloth bound cheddars and they were very traditional, which means they were very savory. There wasn't a lot of sharp notes to them, if any at all. And um, going into COVID, I'm, I'm going to fast forward now a little bit. Going into COVID, we had to change our production um, since obviously our farmer was selling to nobody else. And we had to continue to buy milk from him. Otherwise he would go under and then the whole house of cars would come tumbling down. Um, so instead of making uh, our fresh cheeses, like fresh cheddar curds, our Camembert, our Brie style, and some other quick to market cheeses, uh, it gave me an opportunity to 
and by opportunity, it was either I figure this out or we're in trouble, uh, was to create a cheese that, you know, if we came out of the pandemic in six months, I'd be able to sell it. If we come out of the pandemic in two years, I'd be able to sell it then, you know, so something that could go to market a little bit sooner, but something that could also age out very well for years. And I just, it was just a, a conglomeration of about three years of just really thinking about how to make a perfectly medium savory cheddar. Um, and then I also got inspiration from this one cheese called Red Lester, um, where they put a lot of annatto into it. And um, when you have a natural rind and you have a cheese with a lot of annatto in it, you start getting drying around the edge and that drying concentrates that color. So when you cut into this cheese, it's also extremely visually striking because you get this beautiful gradient going from orange to very dark orange, almost red towards the rind. Um, so I just, I, I took all of those thoughts and just put them together and made a batch and surprisingly, it doesn't happen very often, um, about five months later, I tried the first batch and it was delicious, absolutely delicious. And uh, that cheese is called our Bandit Red Cheddar. That one right now I'm really excited about because, yeah, it's it's it just been rattling around up my head for a couple years, and it finally came to fruition. So, um, just yeah, short story long. <laughs> <laughs> no, the I think because of this, it's like it, it's like making wine. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I think I grabbed a a small block. <laughs> of that yes the other day john <laughs> mm -hmm. yep so. it's the only one that we put any annatto in well actually right now uh through halloween we have a small we did a really small run of it but it's like a little camembert style that we did uh or, or brie style uh we did annatto and then we ashed it we put ash on the outside of it and then we let the bloomy rind come through that ash so when you cut into it it's orange the paste is orange and then there's like a, a circle of black and then a circle of white. So it's kind of like, you know, that spooky Halloween kind of look to it. But uh, yeah, that's the only one we do any coloring at all in. Wow. Got that down to a science, my friend. Hey, as long as you think so, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. <laughs> so, Brian, can you talk about... ODA's role in the dairy industry. Yeah, well, you know, if everybody was like John, we probably wouldn't have a role. Um, you know, John does Aww. a really good job and and, and does uh, you know wants high quality milk and wants uh, wants to put a good product out there for the consumer, which which they all do, all processors do. But uh, you know, we're there to ensure um, you know milk quality coming from the farm is is a top notch. It meets the requirements uh, set forth by the rules and regulations. Uh, you know, dairy producers have things they got to do. Uh, they got to got to take care of the cows. Got to got to have clean equipment and, and so forth. And then that milk, you know, it moves from that farm to the processor. Well, in the middle there, you have a truck or a vessel of some kind. You know, we we inspect and license all those guys and gals out there that uh, that move that milk from point A to point B. Uh, just like the truck that rolls into John's place. Uh, it's nothing fancy, but it's a little bulk tank on back of a flatbed uh, truck trailer mm -hmm. that uh, that he pulls in there. We 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 worked with the producer to to make sure it met met the requirements, and it did. So we uh, we allowed him to do that. So then once it gets to the processor, um, again, it's just making sure that uh, they're doing doing all the right things, uh, taking care of that product, and and making it the right way, and making sure it meets all the requirements. Uh, 
GMPs, you know, good manufacturing practices. Uh, you know, if he's making a cheddar or making somebody making a Swiss or whatever kind of cheese or making a yogurt, you know, you got to do it the right way. Use the right cultures, uh, use the right, uh, uh, you know, keeping the milk at the right temperatures, keeping the yogurt at the right temperatures, cooling it down where it needs to be. And at the end of the day, we sample all those, unfortunately not for tasting. We sample them for, uh, hmm. for bacteriological quality. You know, so we're checking yeah, sure you don't for tasting, bacteria. Brian. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, it'd be nice when those ice cream uh, samples come in, the cheese samples come in, you know, hey, we just need a little bit for the lab. But uh, unfortunately, the whole thing's going to go. But uh, but we look at the process really from from the time it leaves the cow, you know, until the time it hits that hits that truck, hits that vehicle going out to the retail store. Uh, we're involved in that in the manufacturing wholesale distribution of that product uh, to make sure it meets the rules and regulations. Uh, you know, we're behind the scenes, really. Um, if you don't hear from us, that means things are going well. And that's kind of how we like it. That's what my doctor says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you know, we, we think of Ohio, we think, you know, a, a lot of cows and, you know, that the dairy industry is pretty big. How do, how do we fare compared to other states? Is it big here, Brian? Yeah. Oh yeah. We're uh, we're a top 11 dairy state uh, in the country. Um, we are number one in Swiss cheese production. Uh, John kind of mentioned that earlier, you know, either. Mm-hmm. On that Swiss cheese side, you got to go big or go home because it's it's hard to compete in this state for Swiss cheese. Um, mm-hmm. you know, back in the back in the early days when when the immigrants came in and and settled for whatever reason they settled here and and that Swiss cheese production has just been been critical to their to the to the success of the dairy industry in Ohio. Uh, we have one of the largest Swiss cheese makers in the country located here in the state. And then, like I said, when you put it all together, we're number one in the country in Swiss cheese. Uh, but uh, but overall, yeah, we're number eleven in in the in the United States in, in milk production. I'm guessing that when Megs moved back to Ohio, we probably bumped from like thirteen to eleven in sales. <laughs> <laughs> Cheese consumption. Man, you might be right. <laughs> Can't say for sure since my brother got that block. <sighs> Made me tell our family feud on here. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's Friday. It's been yeah, long. it's all good. Um, so, John, talk. Can you talk about? I don't think you make a Swiss, then. <laughs> I do. I make a cheese. I actually, I just started making one that is Gruyere esque, which oh. is a Swiss cheese. But as far as that classic Emmentaler, big eyes, or the baby Swiss, um, there's just uh, in order to do that right, you know. And again you have to do it right. Uh, you know, while you're making it large production or small production, there's just so many technically well-made Swiss cheeses in Ohio that if I were to make a cheese and it doesn't have the right elasticity, the right, the right eye size, um, it's just going to look a little bit weird. And there's, uh, just a couple of technical hurdles. We would need additional rooms in order to run cheeses through. Um, it's, uh, it's not an easy process to come up with that perfectly um, Emmentaler, perfectly spaced eyes, um, Swiss cheese. So uh, yeah, again, short story long. Nope, we don't, not really. <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious, John. So you've been doing this for four years. What mm. in the world, how did you just start making cheese? How does that happen? Uh, tripped, fell, hit my head and woke up and I was like, oh, I gotta do cheese. Um, no. Um, it was kind of like my Bandit Red story. It was just a whole bunch of things that ended up coming together, and then boom. 
from about the early 2000s to right around 2009, I was just in and out of college, switching from this, switching to that. I, I was a, a personal trainer. Um, I was accepted to go to nursing school at Ohio State. I switched over to business. I was flipping houses, but food was always my passion. So um, I ended up just taking an immediate right turn, left all that behind. Um, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, Anne, and I moved to New York, and she, she did everything right. She went to school for four years and graduated like you're supposed to. I went to, we went to New York. I went to culinary school at the Colony Institute of America, and I got two degrees there. And then my first job out of culinary school was making cheese with a lo local cheesemaker. And all of a sudden, everything came together. It was, it was definitely physical. Um, it was definitely the sciences that I loved from uh, when I was going into nursing. Um, there was definitely a business side to it. And it was absolutely a culinary aspect to it, which I just absolutely love. So it was just one of those things that just instantly grabbed me. And after nine, two, after so many years of college, I probably could have been a doctor. I also had to commit to something and it wasn't too hard to commit at that point. So uh, I fell in love with it. Um, and then I started just chasing it down the rabbit hole. I went to um, the University of Vermont. They had uh, certificate classes, so not full on college credit. Um, classes, but I was going up there when I still lived in New York for several weeks to do uh, certificate classes there. Um, I was going down to New York City, I was, and those would be more like uh, connoisseurship classes. So it wasn't so much cheese making, but it was learning about the different varieties of cheese, European cheeses, American cheeses, um, doing different creamery tours, um, going to the American Cheese Society, uh, going to different dairy conferences, just absorbing as much as I absolutely possibly could just because I loved it. And uh, at that point, the momentum reached a critical mass and uh, here we are. Isn't that wonderful how sometimes thing just, things just fall into place the way they're supposed to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so far, I mean, if you would ask me the same thing maybe two years ago, I'd have been like, oh, the jury's still out. But uh, things things are starting to click it a little bit more and more. Um, That's great. It's definitely starting to work, yeah. Awesome. Well, John, where can people find uh, Black Radish Creamery products? Any place that sells amazing cheese should have our stuff. But um, actually, we're pretty much located in central Ohio right now. Um, you can find uh, definitely find it at both of our cheese shops that are located in the North Market downtown Columbus, the North Market in Bridge Park in Dublin, Ohio. Also, Granville, Ohio, we have a farm store out here, local farmers markets, uh, independent grocery stores in Columbus. Uh, we have a couple places up in Cleveland as well, like the Flying Fig and uh, several uh, restaurants in Columbus as well. All right. I'm, I'm heading out the door here in a few minutes. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, sounds good. Thank you so much for being here, John and Brian. Um, any parting thoughts from either of you? Eat more cheese. <laughs> I just want to thank John for taking time to do this with us. And uh, thanks for allowing us to come in and, and do a virtual tour as well. And I'm excited to see uh, see the video. Yeah. And Brian, you're welcome. I mean, Ohio Department of Ag has always been there for us. Obviously, when we got into it, I was learning and becoming a cheese maker, not a cheese facility production manager, um, which uh, ODA has definitely helped me become 
um, in a safe manner. So thank you for everything you guys have done for us. Yep, you're welcome. Well, thanks again, guys, for being here with us and all of our listeners. Thanks for staying with us to listen to us talk about our favorite topic, cheese, which we could for hours, but we will wrap it here. <laughs> all right. We'll see everyone back here next week. All right, thank you. Cultivating Convos is created by ODA's communications team. Make sure to hit subscribe to get the latest episodes in your feed and like ODA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for up-to-date news about agriculture in Ohio.